Hey, engine professionals, machinists, and enthusiasts, welcome to the Engine Professional Podcast. Hey, welcome everybody to another edition of the Engine Professional Podcast. We are on to episode 13, lucky number 13, Chuck. Yeah, 13. Follows 12. It's, uh, we're <laughs> headed in the right direction, right? <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, hopefully it's not the curse of number 13 and everything goes smooth and uh, it's a good episode. But um, we got a great episode for us today. Um, we got a great interview with uh, two gentlemen that are very familiar with the AERA online training program. And we'll get into that a little bit here in a, a little bit later. But Chuck, why don't you fill us in on a little bit of history for November? All right. So we're on episode 13, but we're talking about month 11 in our calendar year. So in November of 1970, Ford introduced the Boss 351 Mustang again, November 1970 for the 1971 model year at the Detroit Auto Show. Um, I've actually been there. It's a pretty cool show. The vehicles featured a eight-cylinder, 16-valve V8 pushing 330 horsepower. The engine had an aluminum intake manifold, solid lifters, dual-point distributor. Dual-point distributor, what is that? A what? A what? <laughs> <laughs> a six-quart oil pan and cast aluminum valve covers, a four-barrel carburation system, allowing the Mustang to scream from zero to 60 in 5.8 seconds. Only 1,806 Boss 351 Mustangs were built in 1971. I actually am a Mustang guy. Those old ones like that, I thought it was yeah. a terrific looking car. Um, very cool. Yeah, and you put that engine in there and that little, uh, you know, I'll call it a box style a uh, Mustang back in those days, why she'd scoot pretty good. Yeah, I actually, I had a friend that had a uh, 71 Mustang that was a four-speed car. So, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Not that the ones today aren't a lot of fun, but us old school guys, those were, that's where I'd like to go back. You know, I'm a drag racer by heart, and I've always told my dad and some other guys, I'd, I'd always wish I'd lived back in those days because that's when the racing was really racing. <laughs> I think sensory overload, you know, I mean, you felt so much feedback. We've really smoothed things out. Um, their performance is better and I'm not taking that away, but I think there was just something to, again, that sensory overload, all of the vibration and the feedback and, and the input, you were giving so much input to get the feedback that has been tuned out of a lot of things now. And, and like I said, you can't discredit what we've done today or then they both they both fit their era um and they're both impressive um yep. you know i i follow that southeast gassers all the heads you know oh, yeah. they're all four speed straight axle cars heads up um super cool all gear this, jamming <laughs> yeah this uh making stupid power out of small displacement because you're stuffing air with the you know power adders and so forth uh Super cool as well. So I'll take exactly. it all. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, today's topic, Chuck, is going to be about the AERA online training program and educating engine machinists. For those that don't know, AERA offers an online training program where you can work at your own pace. Uh, some of you might have heard us talk about this in the past, but we're going to get in a little more in-depth about it this time. Uh, we have two great guests on, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Rob Monroe from AERA, who kind of handles all the online training questions here at AERA. So he'll be on to give you a little history and background of the program, as well as we got an instructor from De Anza College, uh, Dave Capitolo, who is actually on the AERA Board of Directors. And he uses this program in his classroom daily to educate his students and he'll be giving us some feedback or insight on how he uses the program uh, within his uh, classroom and how the students uh, are able to use it. 
hey Rob, nice to have you on with us again and uh, welcoming another guest. I know you and Dave work well uh, together um, with the schools. How about you tell us a bit about yourself, Dave? Well, thanks. Thanks, guys. Um, my name is Dave Capitolo, and, and I teach uh, engine repair and machining at De Anza College. We're a, a community college out in Northern California. We have a lot of evening classes, day classes. Our, our big one for machining is a, a full-time day program. So I have 24 students all year long, and we go through engine theory, diagnosis, disassembly, machining, repair, the whole process of rebuilding an engine. We, we have our students be able to, to do that here. We also have two other years of full years of our, of our day program where we go over chassis, powertrain, engine performance, electrical. Uh, but selfishly, I have students for an entire full year and we take them through the process of, of rebuilding engines. Uh, I've been using, I know we're gonna talk about the online training, I've been using it for several years, and uh, I also used this the textbook that the online training was based on. I've been al also been using that for several years prior to that, so it's an awful lot of fun, and we get a lot of work done. So, Dave, you got to tell me, how does it feel to be back teaching live face-to-face -face again? I know you and I have talked before. Uh, you spent most of last year doing virtual and you said that probably was one of the most difficult times teaching that you've ever had. Uh, I bet I bet you're glad to be back at it now. You don't know how much. I was going an entire school year teaching something like engine machining virtually via Zoom was a absolute disaster. Uh, we still had we went over a lot of theory. I did demonstrations out here in the shop, uh, but being back face to face, having students here. Uh, even though we do have uh, a vaccine mandate and we're always wearing masks, we have absolutely nothing to complain about. Uh, we're here on campus and it's couldn't be better. I was <laughs> jokingly going through virtual for an entire year was contemplating retirement as a joke. Um, so we're thrilled. We're thrilled <laughs> to be back. You have no idea. What did you end up doing to keep the students engaged and stuff? What did you what were some of the tricks that you could do? Um, I had a, a GoPro, a couple of external monitors, a webcam, laptop, all on this little roll around cart that I had built. And I would have to go drive around to the shop, get everything set up with studio lights. And the best I could do for these students was set up a demonstration. And pretty much every machining operation that we do, I would have to set up a demonstration for them. And sadly, all they could do is watch and ask questions. But, you know, it's it's something we were dealt and we, we did the best we could. And, you know, we ended up keeping pretty much all the students made it through the entire year. Um, we made the best of it. We made the best of it. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, you know, we all probably learn from those type of things in in a go forward basis of how to strategize um, from these challenges, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you will, you'll hold on to some of those things and, and use them to reflect upon and how you could probably teach even when you're face to face, right? You know, absolutely. It, it really does. It, it changed the way I did demonstrations, because when you have students that can stand around and watch you, there's certain things that we just assume they get, or we assume they can see because they're there. Uh, but doing it with a, a webcam, I found giving a lot more detail in some of these demonstrations because I knew it was really difficult to see using a GoPro and a, and a webcam. So it definitely changed the way I did demonstrations. And going forward, I'm going to do the exact same thing this year. You know, I struggle with that in webinars. Uh Rob and Steve have heard me say, hey, they're the hardest thing in the world for me to do. I do a fair amount of webinars. Um, I always agree to do it because you want to share the message, but it is so difficult because you don't have feedback. You know, you can't look into the eyes of the group in front of you and say, hmm, that guy gets it and that guy doesn't. Uh, you don't have that feedback. So yeah. 
Um, that's, that's interesting to hear that, especially from one, someone who's a, you know, that's your profession is education. And, uh, I, it, it's kind of refreshing for me to hear that feedback as well. That, hey, we all kind of battle that because I hear it a little bit in our group in the industry that, that, that they'll do presentations and like, Ooh, you know, some of them are like, I love it because I don't have to worry about the feedback. I just go through the, my material, me. I really, I want that feedback. Like say, I look in that guy's eyes that gets it or the people are falling asleep. I'm like, well, you know, maybe I should sing lullabies instead of do webinars. <laughs> yeah. There's the other thing with, with feedback is when we're in person, you, you're exactly right. You can see their eyes and you can see the heads nodding or the heads nodding the other way. Uh, but when you're, when we review zoom, somebody turns their camera off i have no idea if they get it or not so i would i would always request some feedback from all my little o2 sensors give me a signal tell me you get it um, so even face to face i want to see that feedback and it's something i ask them to do just let me know if you don't get it shake your head no give me a sign so it'll be it'll be a lot better in person that's for sure <laughs> Yeah, and, and now you have to dress up again, Dave. You can't just show up to the camera with just your golf shirt on. You probably actually have to, you know, be fully clothed now before you can get out there. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I I I did get into that bad habit when on a on on a day where I wasn't going to be on camera. Then yeah, put shorts on and the t-shirt. But you're right. Now we have a professional appearance to show. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No. So true. Yeah. So Rob, uh, I know you had worked on some, you know, questions, uh, you and Dave, uh, work closely together anyway. So, uh, just, uh, you know, let's, let's put some of those to Dave and, and get some feedback. Sure. Yeah. No, with the online training program, uh, being that, you know, you and I are on the tech line, Chuck, we do get quite a few questions, Dave, on the tech line about our program. And, uh, uh, some people ask, you know, that one of the big ones is, um, are you concerned about possible cheating? You know, we know that this, uh, and for those of you that aren't aware, I mean, this online training program is, it's a, you, you get a textbook and you, you go through the textbook and then you write all of your tests and chapter tests and finals all online. And really for say, it could be an open book. You know, there's nothing stopping you. You know, let's say you're at home and you're writing this test. There's nothing really stopping you from keeping that book open and writing the test. Um, you know, obviously we're not, we don't, well, Dave, actually, I'll let you, I mean, you, you got a really good perspective on this, so I'll, I'll let you tell about it, but it, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool how you feel about that. So tell us about the cheating part. Yeah, the, it's funny because I, I really don't consider it cheating and, and anybody that's taken an online class, whether it's college or otherwise, a lot of it, you, you work at your own pace, you're doing things at home. So when it comes to the online training program that, that we use here, that AERA has created. Uh, there, basically, there's 18 chapters in the textbook. So each chapter has a, a test. So the student has two attempts every 24 hours. So a student can go, or even an employee can do this. As for a matter, as a matter of fact, um, they can go in there, do two attempts, and then wait a day and do it more. So is that cheating if they have a textbook open? I don't think so. Uh, a lot of times what I will do is give them a dead, give the students a deadline. So that deadline might be a couple of days out so they can do multiple attempts. And one of the biggest things that is, the reason it's okay with me is the amount of repetition that they go through. So instead of creating an online test where they have to go in and it's timed and they have to complete it and that's it they're really only reading those questions one time. The way it's set up is they'll go in, read the question, go, go through the entire test, submit it, look at what they've missed. Now they're gonna go back into the textbook, read the question again, and get familiar with it. When they enter the test again for the next attempt, they're reading it now a third time. So the multiple times that they go in and take these tests, they're reading the question several times. They're looking at the answers, answers several times. 
maybe even going back into the textbook a few times. So in my opinion, going through all that repetition is a really good way to, to further understand this material. Instead of giving somebody an assessment one time, here's your grade, here's what you missed, let's move on. So there's a lot of repetition that's involved. The other thing that I do in, in a school environment is every six weeks, I will have a test that I give them in person. So what this does is it allows me to understand that as they've been going through all these tests online, are they really understanding the material? So for example, if during that six week period, we get through say four chapters, I will come up with my own test and take a sampling of questions from each of those chapters, put together my own test and give it to them in person in the classroom. And the ones that do extremely poorly are the ones that were just trying to click answers and not really learn the material. Those students that actually gave it some effort do really well on the in-person one. So it's, it's almost like uh, just sending a warning out. The first one is where a lot of those students will realize, I need to spend more time on these online tests to really learn the material. So that's just something that, that I've done. So I guess my long-winded answer to your question is, I don't think you can do any kind, any kind of cheating simply the way this program is set up. It's, it's made for repetition and collaboration, I guess you could also say as part of it. That's an entering, interesting perspective um, because on in the shop environment, uh, some of the folks that are taking it, you know, it's really about repetition because that's what they do every day in, you know, say may if they're, if they're a cylinder head guy, um, there's tons of repetition that they've been able to, you know, accumulate over time. And then they go back and they test out on that. Um, because those guys have the luxury of living that. Um, you don't really call that cheating, right? It's an assessment of what they know. So that's a, that's a unique perspective. I mean, you got to get that somewhere. You either do a deep dive into the, the theory and the written, the documented procedural stuff, or you live it. But yeah, I like that. Um, haven't really thought of it in that fashion before. No, I agree. And, um, it, uh, Dave, I was going to ask you something we used to struggle with when I when I, in the shop all the time was, uh, you know, how do you keep your students engaged? What do you do to make them accountable? Because I know when I, I would get our employees to, to take the program, um, I learned my lesson. What I was doing at first was I was having them pay for the program uh, or sorry, I was paying for the program myself. I would I would completely pay for the whole program. I would you know, they have a year to complete the program. And it was really difficult to keep them engaged. I would almost have to, you know, get out there and and beat them with a stick in order for them to get the, to, to do the program. So um, I learned a, a later on is I had to have them get some skin in the game. So uh, what I did with employees was I'd make them pay for the program. And then when they passed the first five chapters, I would reimburse them that money for the for a third of it. The next five chapters I'd reimburse. And then when they finished, I'd reimburse the whole thing. But I am curious how you handle you know, making sure your students are accountable for getting finished. Well, I think part of it comes from me trying to motivate them in the classroom and, and kind of explain the good things that are going to come out of this, of becoming certified and getting through class and show the relevance in the real world. But from a school perspective, we, we have something to our advantage, and that's called a letter grade. So we have that that, that advantage where you know, students understand they've got to complete these things by the deadlines if they want to pass the class. So it's uh, something I'm kind of holding out in front of them. And right or wrong, that's the biggest motivation is if you want to pass this class and you want to do well, you will complete these to the best of your ability by the deadline. Uh, but it's, I have the advantage of doing these online tests in, in such an order and then supplementing it, a big part of it is we go out into the shop and we get to apply what they're learning. So if we were to go along through this, this textbook from chapter one through chapter 18, we spend a lot of time in the classroom, but the majority of the year is spent 
out in the shop so that they would be doing this these hands-on tasks out in a shop environment and also completing the the online tests as part of their their entire grade their their entire experience here so i think that's the the biggest motivating factor is grades and then also being able to do it in the shop to supplement that that education that they're getting in the classroom and it seems to work so the online program you do you feel it actually allows you to be in the shop and them to get the hands on more absolutely yeah and i i've done some some simple simple numbers crunching if you take 18 of these chapter ending tests and each one of them we give them i don't know let's say there's 30 20 30 40 questions and give them a minute and a half per question then if we were doing it in the classroom the old way with a piece of paper and then the scantron forms we would take the test i would have to run it through get them all scored pass everything back students can go over they can ask me questions we would go over it so if you take that amount of time per test and then multiply it by 18 tests, it was 35 hours that we would normally spend in the classroom taking tests, scoring them and going over it. So by me using the online training, all the testing is done on the student's own time at home. So it's, it's pretty obvious it clears up 35 or more hours that we can then go out into the shop and do more hands-on work. So it's a, a huge time savings. And let's face it, a lot of students prefer hands-on learning and we're able to do a little bit more work out in the shop, spend more time out there and get a lot more accomplished. And I'm not saying we're giving up on classroom work. That's, that's not the case at all. We're just taking that time that was spent taking tests and now moving them out into the shop. And I think the majority of the students would agree that that's more what they prefer. It's a, a, yeah, it's a lot funner. I think that's the personality of this industry, right? I mean, so many of the folks that are interested in doing that are probably going to be the ones who learn through their fingertips anyway. So why not get them out there and touching and feeling the product and, and getting that feedback that they desire? Sure. Yeah. That is, it's an, a huge part of this industry, but another big part of this industry is being able to, to read repair orders, be able to write repair orders, talk to customers. So all of those other academic skills, if you will, we still teach those and we still have students do that. We're not saying you're, you're great with your hands. Don't worry about the other stuff. We do everything, but the hands-on is a, is a huge part of this industry. Dave, what are you seeing as far as students? You know, where where does the passion lie? Is it still more high performance based? Uh, like, you know, like I know you would do a an in house engine program with them, and you actually allow them to do an engine uh, on their like in the shop. But what are you seeing as far as you know? Are the students are they becoming more interested in maybe some of the diesel stuff, or is it still is it still more the high performance driven, or or what do you guys see there? Yeah, I think that's still regional. Uh, we're out here on the West Coast, and performance is a, is a big part. Uh, there's always some interest in, in diesel and heavy-duty applications, but I would say the majority of it is not only performance. Uh, around here, there's a lot of, a lot of students that are really, they're really interested in bolt-on performance, uh, just parts that they can buy bolt-on to improve performance. And, yeah, I, every year I ask the question when we get started, I allow my students to bring in their own projects. We take those engines apart. We go through the entire process. And the one question that they're amazed that I ask them is, how many of you want to take this engine apart and rebuild it, do it the right way, but not improve the performance at all? And there's usually zero hands that go up. So everybody wants to enhance that performance. So I think that's always always an interest is not only rebuilding these engines but what can i do to improve the performance or the, the reliability so that's a, a big motivating factor and 
by by allowing students to bring in their own engines, you, know, you can imagine the, the motivation, how, how much it goes up. It's not a school engine that I'm supplying and saying, here, go through this, rebuild it, have fun. It's theirs. So they have a, a, a huge interest in getting it done and doing it the right way. And then at the same time, improving the performance. So that's absolutely very popular. And are those projects that they're bringing in, what are you seeing? Is it, you know, is it the, is it the American muscle? Is it the import performance? Kind of what do you see? Uh, anybody bringing in some old flathead stuff or what do you see in there? It's all over the map. Uh, I, I kind of take a poll, you know, we see what they bring in and usually there's a couple of small block Chevys that are still out there somewhere. There's a couple of the LS GM engines. And this year is so far, it's uh, mostly imports, a lot of four cylinders, a couple of Nissans, a Subaru, a couple of Mazdas. And then there's a, a four, six Ford and a six liter power stroke. So it, it's varies. It absolutely varies every year. Uh, the days of the, the domestic V8 occupying the entire shop, those days are gone. So it's pretty Pretty diverse, I guess you could say. It's fun. Keeps me on my toes. What uh, What are you finding as far as um, you know the uh, hours to complete the program? Like I, I know your your students are engaged uh, not just in your program, but they also go through a, a couple other programs in the school. But if you had to venture, uh, if that student was left to do the program, how long do they get? Are you talking about the, the online training program or just my entire school year? Both. Like the online training program would take up, you know, how many hours of your time and then your, your program itself. So I have the same group of 24, 25 students for 36 weeks. So I have them all year. So it's, a, it's really cool because I can take them from the very beginning, understanding machining practices and the theory and then we go through the entire school year, culminating with engine assembly and testing. And, and some of them get as far as installing and, and breaking in. So we're here. Think of it as five days a week from 730 in the morning to 1215 in the afternoon for 36 weeks. So it's an entire school year. Uh, the online training, as far as how much time that takes, that's really up to the student how many times, how many attempts they do each test, uh, you know, the, how much reading they want to do, whether it's in the paper textbook or the online version. And, you know, everybody has a different amount of time that they spend reading, taking the tests, but it could be several hours a week that they're devoting to reading and taking the tests. Yeah, that, what a, I mean, when I started, they didn't have programs like what you're what you're running there. I mean, that that's a pretty cool program. Chuck, I don't know about you. I mean, can you imagine if you were able to spend a couple of years, you know, just really honing in your skills at a at a school level? Um, you know, we I, I I don't know about you, but man, I I learned the hard way. I was up to my elbows in hot tank fluid and being hung from my my feet in the glass beater most of the time. That's kind of how I got to learn. But um, you know, we all have our own stories there. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, you know, I got pushed through because, uh, planning to go to war. So <laughs> it got highly mobilized and, and condensed in our time. But, um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's nice that you can sit back and digest some of that. And I know you really need that because there's so much that's coming at you. I think we talk about that in some of our other stuff that we share in articles and so forth. Um, you know, it's always new to someone and, and Dave, I'm sure you have the guys that, that grew up in a shop or in a shop type environment. Cause dad was a gearhead and so forth. And those guys come with, uh, maybe some preconceived notions that are stuff, bad habits that you really need to work on and break, but you have people who probably come with absolutely no experience. So, you know, it's good that you have the time to, to bring them all to that level. You know, of course, there's always going to be, you get your rising stars and so forth, but um, sounds like a terrific opportunity to help every level. Yeah, and that's that's 
part of my challenge and part of my job, that's what I really signed up for is taking a look at, at all of these students. And some of them, like you said, are, are further along. Others are just getting started. Uh, our, our program is impacted. So we have more applicants than we have available seats. So the majority of our students have already gone through our introductory classes and they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty good, pretty okay, pretty ready. But as the year goes on, you're, you're right. There's different experience levels. And my job is to make sure that I keep the experienced ones engaged and not bored and not forget about the ones that are struggling a little bit and kind of get everybody up at, at closer to the same pace. And it usually works out pretty well. We have a, a good group of people and they get to know each other. By the, by the end of the year, some of them are best friends. Uh, but the, the online training, what, what, is, what it has done for me is, like I said, allowed me more time to have available shop time and just keep these students engaged and keep them busy working on their own projects. And we do a lot of in-chassis repairs, a lot of diagnostic work. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun. So, Rob, uh, you know, so we've talked about what it takes you know because with the school there's uh definitely a dedicated curriculum here and it's allocated out over this amount of time that uh these guys know going into it but in working with uh you know the one two man shops or the production engine rebuilders and so forth what are you seeing you know how long is it taking to get through the program and is there a a distribution of okay you have this group of folks that just get it knocked out and there's a good sized chunk of them and then the ones that are probably in the middle that and then you got your stragglers or can you put some pretty average numbers to it as far as what it takes to get through it yeah something that we've seen so if you've got somebody that's just coming into the shop that's completely green you know they've, they've never really worked on any engines before they haven't taken any engine theory before you want to allocate about 80 hours to the program. So right from start to finish, you'll, you know, you need to take about 80 hours to get through it. Uh, we chuckled the other day, just on our production meeting, we've had, we've had some students get through the program in less than a week, you know, so they just literally, you know, just challenge it. If you want to say, you know, they challenge the questions and they're able to bang through in a week. So um, I would say those individuals are, pretty sharp um, only for the fact, you know, I've tried challenging, uh, you know, just like we did with the ASC test back in the day. I mean, basically they were an experience based test. And if you try to, if you try to do this online training, you know, with just experience, it's twisted just enough in the book. Like there's just some of the wording and some of the things, like if you haven't read the chapters, it's going to catch you off guard. So if you think that you're going to just take this course based on, you know, you've been doing it for 40 years and you're going to nail it, I think it's going to be a bit of a surprise. It's not, it's not nearly that easy. So, um, but if, yeah, like I say, Chuck, a new hire, 80 hours, you'd want to allocate towards, towards doing the program. Another thing, Dave, I, I was curious on, I was going to ask you too, is uh, though, for those of you, I mean, our textbook that we use, the automotive uh, machine and engine repair, it's written by Gary Lewis. And you've got a little bit of history with Gary. I mean, um, how did that go over? I mean, you, you literally took over Gary's program. I think if I can remember. Yeah, so Gary retired from from teaching right here a number of years ago. We'll, we'll leave the number out of it. Um, but when he retired, I applied for the job and I got it. Um, in okay, I'll give you the year in 1983. Good or bad, I was a student in Gary's class, so I was a, a product of this school of De Anza. Went out into the industry and did my thing for 20 some odd years, and and then once Gary retired. I was able to, to get the job and continue doing the pretty much the same program as he started. So, yeah, and the, the textbook that we used, Gary started writing that textbook in the late 70s, I think it was. And over the years, it has grown. He's added a lot of content, updated it. So it's something I was pretty familiar with throughout this whole process of, of me taking over his program. So there's definitely a connection there. A good connection yeah no that's super cool and you know gary's on our board of directors and, a, and is a past chairman and 
all you need to do is talk to Gary for just a couple minutes and you just, you really understand the passion that he had. Um, I mean, he took a sabbatical. I mean, he was off. He, he took, I think it was a year, Dave, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, literally took a year to write this book and, and did it on his own time and everything. So pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he, he did, he did that. Sorry to interrupt. He did that sabbatical for an entire year. So somebody else took over the teaching the program for an entire year. And he used that time to enhance that textbook and take it from a three eighths thick to what it is now, well over an inch thick. And there's a, a lot of new material, a lot of pictures, and he really did a good job during that year and has continued to update it throughout the years. Um, have you had any students um, mention anything about, uh, uh, and I'm just gonna change topic just a little bit, but I know through 8-year-A, we've got our Engine Rebuilders Educational Foundation and uh, it's got grants and scholarships. Have you have you been able to use that program? Like, is it help for students to be able to take this course at all or anything? Yeah, every almost every year, I have one or two students that normally receive financial aid through the school, and they also purchase their textbooks using vouchers. So every year, when I have a couple of those students, and I find out. I'll get in touch with the, the folks at AERA and those particular students that normally use vouchers will use uh, EREF funds to actually pay for their online training and buy them the textbook. So that's been a, a huge, huge help for a few students every year that are financially strapped yet still want to continue their education. So it's been a, a, a great opportunity for students that can't afford it. So we don't lose anybody. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention too to everybody, for those of you listening, I mean, this is a great program. Um, you know, we've got our, for those of you that remember, I mean, Bill McKnight, uh, we've got a $2,500 annual scholarship that we're doing um, uh, for the, uh, in memory of Bill. And uh, I mean, all you need to do is go to our website. So it's aera.org and uh, you can go and check in out like, Dave mentioned at the EREF, so that's Engine Rebuilders Educational Foundation, and there's monies there for training to get into engine building, um, and it's you know, like I say, there even our annual member or scholarship with Bill there for twenty five hundred bucks, so pretty cool program, and we're looking to give some of that away. I think Chuck, um, we're going to be doing that at PRI this year, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely, the uh, <clears throat> VIP party. Um, actually, you know, for the folks in the industry, a lot of a lot of people knew Bill, were friends with Bill, and uh, he was always a contributor with the VIP party at PRI. So um, a very fitting place to have that, um, a group of peers, um, a group of friends, and, you know, Bill dedicated his life and career to education too. Um, a lot of people may not know that, you know, when, when he went to school, college. His mission was to be in education. Um, he of course went on, he was, uh, doing agricultural, um, education, you know, being in the Midwest, um, you know, that was pretty fitting. And then he, he was recruited by Dana, um, to be machine shop training in, in their program. And, you know, he just continued to carry that on, um, at the racetrack at, all of the tech and skills regionals, uh, we had him to do presentations a lot. So again, it was just, just quite fitting of, of Bill and, uh, the kind of person that he was. So, um, great to be able to be a part of that and continue yeah. the mission. Oh, most definitely. And like I say, anybody listening, I mean, we encourage you to, uh, to apply for some of those programs. I mean, it's, uh, it's there for the training and education. So, um, those scholarships and grants we give away annually, uh, we're doing things like we've got our EREF engine giveaway, you know, so we're building an engine this year and all the proceeds from that engine are going right back into monies for EREF. And, uh, you know, we, we give away up to $25,000 a year in scholarships and grants. So looking forward to, uh, to continuing that on for sure. So to put some of that in perspective um, as, okay, what does this cost? Yeah, this is not, I mean, it's $150. If you're just an individual that wants to take the program, including including the textbook, it's $150. Um, 
when you get into uh, like, you know, into a group like what Dave has with his students, uh, you, you know, you, with the textbook is $75 for 10 or more students. So this is not a moneymaker for us. Our goal with this as an association is to try and get as many trained and certified machinists out onto shop floors as we can. Um, we, we, we're a big believer in the program. And again, this is not, it's not a profit center for us. This is just something that we feel if we can have more machinists out there that are certified and uh, can understand engine theory and the more machinists that we can get stuff to, you know, to be um, impl get employed right now. I mean, there's absolutely no secret. A lot of the calls that we take on the tech line are, Hey, I'm looking for help. You know, everybody's looking for help right now. So if you could have this on your resume that you've made the effort to take the program and show up at, at the shop with a resume and say, I've got my AERA certification, just to know that the, you know, the employer is going to know that you've made the effort for the fund, like for the foundation, it, it, it'll go a long way. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and that said, you know, we talked about earlier that, of course, we have a lot of people who are interested in, in performance. Um, you know, it's, it's sexy, it sells, but um, there's also a great need for, you know, alternate fuels, gas, or, you know, diesel, um, of course, automotive repair, a lot of dealerships out there and so forth. Um, does the program cover all types of engines in, in theory? It, it does. It does touch base on, uh, on diesel, on gas. It does cover some alternate fuel. Um, the majority of the program gets more into, you know, the machining fundamentals. So, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, from, uh, when you're machining a valve seat or honing a block or boring, doing decking, that kind of stuff, uh, other than materials, uh, a lot of it is crossover. So between gas and diesel, you know, if you're machining a seat or doing a guide or fitting clearances, that's what's nice about this program is you could take the program and then diversify into whatever shop, you know, whatever you're going to go into and you'll, you'll have a foundation there. So. Yeah, that's a good statement. And that's getting closer all the time. I mean, it's in some facets it's getting further away, but if you think about gas direct injected, you know, let's just use the eco boost for example, you know, you have engines that are approaching 13 to one compression ratio, not too far from being a diesel. Uh, you take a look at some of the piston designs. They have, you know, the re-entry bowl in a gas piston, uh, you know, for, because they're direct injected. Um, we're seeing things like a cooled crown in the piston, the uh, nigh resist insert in the piston, uh, things that in nature. And so in some of those instances, they are, they're coming closer together, but, the fact that they're light castings and they take performance to the nth degree, sometimes they're, they're going away from one another because they're not bigger, heavier, like we see in the traditional diesel world. So, but very interesting. So, um, what if, you know, a student or let's say a machinist in let's talk about our production engine rebuilder friends. Um, they wanted to break that out into a, a segment because they know that, Hey, they're only going to ever work on cylinder heads. Um, can we accommodate something of that nature? Yeah, no, good point, Chuck. Um, and even from the school perspective, we're starting to see more of that. We were getting more requests because some of the school programs were shortening their engine pro, uh, the time frame for them to learn engines to a point of where it was like four weeks, six weeks. And there was just no way they were going to be able to completely go through our whole program in that amount of time. So, uh, and then the PERs, you're right. They came to us and said, look, we've got people uh, on the floor that we only want that want to learn cylinder head material. We don't have, we don't have, uh, you know, we're not going to be moving them into the crankshaft department anytime soon or over to the block department. So we just want them to be able to have the foundation for cylinder heads so what we did is we customized the program. So you don't have to take the whole thing, um, but if you want to be certified, you do. But the program is based into two sections. So there's cylinder head machinists and then there's engine machinists. And we have some schools that break up their modules in, in that way too. So they just do the block and that's basically one, one semester. And then they do the cylinder head and that's another semester. And depending on what you're doing and how big your group is, we can literally customize that program so that you see just either just the cylinder head part or just the block part. And, uh, and then some schools that are just teaching, 
like automotive service and repair, and they've only got a four week window to do engines. Uh, they're picking and choosing which chapters they want to do. Like they want to do engine theory. They want to do a little bit of, uh, you know, cylinder head machining, but we can do that as well on our end and customize that for you. So it's very versatile. It's a, it's a cool program that way. That's, you know, that's great to hear. Um, it's great to have so many folks that are a part of it. Um, Dave is deeply involved and we greatly appreciate that. Um, we get a good amount of feedback. Um, again, his relationship with Gary over the years. Uh, we know that he has the passion. I see the passion in, in you, Rob. Um, you know, as you had mentioned earlier, uh, when you were young and, and had a hot rod and that's what got you in the shop. And, and there's so many people that can, that can share a story similar to that. Uh, you know, Steve's dad was a, was a racer and had a machine shop. Steve was a racer. My dad worked on, you know, being in this part of the country, uh, did a lot of work for the sprint car guys. And, and we all kind of have those things that have, have brought us there. Um, and it's, it's great to see that passion. And, uh, you know, if, if using the educational foundation, um, can reach out to, to other, uh, new blood for the industry. And, uh, you know, that's all the better. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, you know, it's not like this is a, a way to, to earn money, uh, for us as the association, it's to give back to the industry, um, which is of course, always the goal of the association is to keep this industry moving forward and onward. Yeah. I mean, Dave, we could, we could have any of your students that ever need placement. I mean, we literally just within a few phone calls, we could have every one of your students placed, you know, all around North America pretty fast. Um, with those are calls we're getting nonstop all the time. So keep them coming, keep those warm bodies uh, interested and get them into our industry. That's what we need. We'll do. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, gents, I think we've covered a lot of territory here today. Um, there's actually, Chuck, if I may, there's one other thing that I would add, and this would be for other prospective schools that are considering doing this, the, the process of getting everybody signed up in a class. Uh, Karen out at AERA, I got to give her a shout out. She's made the, the process so smooth. It's just effortless. She'll get everybody enrolled. And then on my end, when I log in, I will see a new tab. I'll have all the students alphabetized. I can see all their scores. So in a sense, that that also saves time for me just to see all the scores at one on one screen. And it's really easy to track their progress and you know make sure that all these scores are coming up green, which is a passing score. And so it really helps me keep an eye on them and prod them, I mean, motivate them and keep them moving <laughs> through this whole process. So it's a it's a really, a really smooth process working with Karen out there and give her kudos for that. Well, that's great to hear. Um, again, you know, it's team efforts, um, in every facet of what we, we do here. Um, of course at AERA, uh, we're a small team and we all have to wear a lot of hats, but that's true of a lot of the uh, schools and so forth that we associate with and the shop. So it, it, it's great to hear that and, uh, and always keep us posted on what else we can do to help out. Will do. Thank you. So again, I, I think that, uh, we've covered a lot of territory here today and Dave, I uh, really appreciate you giving up your time to, uh, sit down with, uh, Steve, Rob and I, and, and, uh, Again, just can't say how much we appreciate everything that you do for our industry, the future of our industry, our young folks. And uh, again, just thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. I enjoy what I'm doing and I enjoy helping students out. Yeah, no, thanks, Dave. You're, I know I'm always bouncing ideas off you and I'm always calling you with stuff. Uh, um, so it, it's much appreciated. Uh, you know, you guys... I can call you and you call me. I know we're talking eight, nine o'clock at night sometimes, and there's the passion for you. We could just shut this off at four o'clock and call it a day, but you know, everybody's passionate about what they're doing. And, and we see that with our instructors and we really appreciate that. Glad to help. 
Chuck, that was a great conversation you had with Rob and uh, Dave Capitolo there. Sorry, I couldn't make it. I was a little under the weather when that was going on. But uh, they did some very, gave some very good information about our online training program, especially Dave on how instructors can use it in their classrooms. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, you know, again, not being in his seat. He's got such a different perspective that we don't, but um, how he he breaks it up into, you know, where it helps him in the classroom. Um, he gives them the timelines of what they need to accomplish. And then uh, in preparation for the lab and how he uses what they've done there in the lab. Um, again, um, it doesn't fit everybody the same, but he gave a, you know, a great deal of perspective the the instructors and facilitators can bring to it that we don't necessarily understand. Yeah. And I thought the one thing that kind of intrigued my mind a little bit was uh, the cheating question, you know, how he doesn't consider that cheating as much as it is, um, um, education or learning. I agree. Um, again, you know, as we stated during that, that, uh, yeah, if you put it into perspective, um, you don't, you don't ask a guy who has had the opportunity to be in the field. Um, you know, if his experience is cheating, you know, so, I mean, you have to, you have to draw that from somewhere. So hmm. if you're going back and, and reinvestigating the material you already looked over, or you've just had the opportunity to do it 25 or 25,000 times, <laughs> um, you know, so no, I, I thought that was really, really interesting the way he painted that. That's the one thing that's great about our industry. And I'm sure it is in every industry. Uh, but you learn something every day. Uh, there's not a day that goes by, even on the tech line here, where we get a call that, you know, it kind of, it, it gives us the chance to research and try to find the correct answer for the member. But you're learning something every day. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you close the day with uh, not learning something, I mean, that's, you've either been asleep it's been a pretty bad day. Um, you know, in, in one of my previous employment things, uh, as we actually had to report on, out on that daily, what did I learn? What did I share? And, uh, you know, sometimes it was like, man, it's just something else I got to get done at the end of the day. This is a pain in the butt, but big picture wise, that's super important. That's great. What did you learn and what did you share? Because, you can't take it with you. Hopefully you're sharing what you learn. And uh, we get a terrific opportunity to do that. We get paid to do that. Exactly. And, uh, that's, that's terrific. And I think, you know, Rob gave a good uh, uh, insight on being a shop owner. He was a shop owner at one time on how he used the program in his shop. You know, he would uh, pay for the program at first. Well, then he decided, you know, if you, if I pay for the program, you do so many chapters, I'm going to give you some money back. So that's a way a shop owner could take that and use this program in their shop to kind of educate their machinist as well. Right. Everybody's looking for, um, a pay raise, uh, some, you know, method of showing that they're improving, but they need to show the employer that they're in engaged as well. So get creative, some of those things. And that, that way they pay dividends on both sides, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, typically when you hire in some place, you know what the expectations are. So if you don't improve yourself, why would you expect any more pay or anything else? So you need to, to grow yourself for them to grow your salary, for you to grow within the organization. It's a, it's all key, you know, make it harmonious. So again, if you'd like some more information about the AERA online training program, you can visit our website at AERA.org slash online dash training. That'll have all the information there on how you can register for the program, give you a little bit of history about it or what's involved with the program. And again, it's uh, for the book, or if you're 
if you register for the program and you want the book, it's $150 per person. And without the book, it's $125 per person. Uh, definitely, if you're in the engine building industry wanting to learn a little bit more, I think it's a great program and it's uh, very useful. Uh, we've had a lot of people graduate from the program. And again, you work at your own pace. That's the nice part about it. If I want to do a chapter today or whatever, I can do it and take a week off when things got busy around the house or whatever. I can always come back to it and finish it at a different time. Absolutely. And you have recognized industry credentials. Yep. So you can take that anywhere. No one can take that away from you. That's a recognized credential. Correct. Well, Chuck, we got this uh, engine we're giving away here at PRI. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that? All right. So um, the the giveaway has a great mission. It's the EREF. For those that don't know what that is, that's the Engine Rebuilders Educational Foundation. And today, since we're speaking heavily on education, uh, this resonates even more. So the engine giveaway is a big block Chevy. Um, for this year's engine build, we decided to go old school and build one of the performance market's all-time favorites, a big block Chevy. So after all, who doesn't have a soft spot in their heart for a big, breathing rat motor? Our build features a 4.5-inch bore and a 4.250 stroke. That's inches, for those who don't understand that. Uh, <laughs> for a final displacement of 540 cubic inches. So after all, more displacement equals more fun. Um, right on. Nope. What was the old <laughs> saying? There's no replacement for displacement. That's right. I, I know in the, the modern era, we're squeezing some crazy numbers out of a uh, small cubic inch, but Hey, if you got big cubic inch to start with, you can squeeze even more out of it. <laughs> so anyway, that, that 540 cubic inch big block will be um, given away again at PRI. The drawing is Saturday, December 11th, 2021 at 1 p.m. at the AERA booth. Um, we will be at booth number 5514 at PRI. Um, tickets are 10 for $20. This includes free shipping within the continental U.S. to transport the engine from the Indian the Indianapolis Convention Center. The winning ticket will be drawn on the final day of the trade show. So again, that is Saturday, December 11th, 2021. Uh, you do not need to be present to win. And I don't, so I can win without being there. You can win without being there. <laughs> If I you, can't win, but somebody if, can win without being there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just have the have them tickets. Need your money for tickets. So uh, free shipping within the continental U.S. Uh, again to transport your engine from the Indianapolis Convention Center. Um, you can order these tickets online at www.aera.org. Just look for the engine giveaway. Or you can call Karen at 815-526-7600 if your preference would to be order tickets by phone. And if you haven't seen the pictures of this engine, uh, please go to our website and take a look. It's it's pretty awesome looking. I think it'll it's going to be a great piece for somebody, you know, kind of like we were talking earlier about the old Boss Mustang and the in the uh, the old Mustangs. You could put this in a nice pickup truck or a, a older style vehicle, and it would be just kind of cool. I think it'd be really cool. Oh yeah, velocity stacks, rat rod, whatever, whatever yep. the choice. You know. Another great event we have going on at PRI is the Engine Professional VIP Party, which is going to be held Friday, December tenth, after the trade show, in rooms two thirty six from five to eight p.m. For those that have attended this event in the past, it's a great opportunity to uh, intermix and mingle with industry uh, experts, um, your fellow engine builders. It's a great opportunity to just, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Network. That's the word I'm looking for. Network. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, network with, uh, we have people show up from, you know, professional racers. Again, as you mentioned, the engine builders, uh, equipment builders, part suppliers. So anybody in the industry, you may need to, uh, have some conversation with, that's a great place to catch up. And, yep. uh, the conversation flows over hors d'oeuvres and drinks, right? <laughs> that is true. That is true. And you can RSVP online, or you can contact Karen here at the office. Uh, again, that number is 815-526-7600. Just let Karen know you want to sign up for the VIP party, or you can send her an email at karen at AERA.org. One of the new things this year at the VIP party is AERA is bringing their show bucks back. For those that were around when AERA did their annual convention, we always gave away some show bucks. And what this is, is all attendees will be eligible to win five $500 of AERA show bucks, which is good for products or services that you can purchase from any AERA associate member. Those associate members will be listed on the show bucks, so you'll know who those companies are. So we're giving away five $500 of those show bucks. But in addition to that, we are also going to be giving away five crisp $100 bills in cash. Cash is king, Chuck. Cash money. <laughs> <laughs> to some lucky attendee. So overall, that's about $3,000 in prizes just for attending the VIP party. So we're always looking to, uh, uh, it's that time of year, Chuck, with the, the trade shows. You know, this is November. Uh, so we're obviously done the SEMA Apex shows, but we're also going to be doing the PRI show. And that's this time of year where everybody gets together. We network, we talk, we have a little fun. So we're all looking forward to forward to the shows. Absolutely. It's a, it's our industry's reunion. Uh, so I, I just totally love PRI. Um, fortunately I live close and, uh, so I would be stupid not to be there, but it's just, I love it. It's, it's my peeps. It's who I yep. want to be around. <laughs> exactly. One other thing that we're doing there is we will be giving away a $2,500 annual scholarship in Bill McKnight's name. So we are proud to announce that the Bill McKnight $2,500 scholarship is in honor of his lifetime work in our industry and contributions to AERA. Uh, scholarships are available to any qualified applicant for the purpose of providing educational assistance to those seeking a career in the field of engine building, rebuilding. So that's, that'll be something we're giving away as well. Looking forward to that. We did lose an industry icon in Bill over the uh, summer here, but this is about the best way we can honor his, uh, his memory. Yeah. Honor his memory. Uh, no, I, I mean, you did a terrific job of stating that Steve, um, you know, and as we discussed in, um, the podcast with, the, you know, earlier in with, uh, Rob and, and Dave, you know, Dave has proven that he's given himself to the educations and sharing with others. And, and as we said, you know, Bill started in education in the, the farming industry and, and just kept that going and, and gave until the very last day. I know I've got plenty of stories, you know, I used to have him come in and do tech sessions for us in the plant. Um, mm -hmm. just, a it was, that was just a part of him. So it, you know, it's, He's still giving back. Yep, very much so. Well, Chuck, closing out here, what's our next episode going to be about? We got a lot to talk about. All right. So this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Spent a lot of time uh, on on this matter. Um, a lot of years of education on incoming part inspection and this crazy world in which we live today. And when you maybe have to look at alternative parts, um, from, you know, different sources than what you're used to. Um, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, incoming part inspection and then what are the, what are the measures? What's critical to quality to a particular part? Um, so we can talk a bit about, you know, maybe some things that help you build your own program, um, for the criteria, um, and you know what when how how often frequencies or whatever of measure 
uh, of incoming parts. Again, it's you know it it's something there's many books written on. It's a big deal, um, but yeah, I think we'll we'll have a pretty good time on that upcoming uh, uh, podcast, and hopefully, it's something everyone can take back to their shop and uh, benefit them. I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Inspecting those parts as they come in is very important. It can, uh, if you do not do that, it can definitely lead to some catastrophic failures, which none of us want. <laughs> Negative. Yeah, we want we want customers that the OE send to us, and we don't want <laughs> boomerang engines that we do. Right. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Well, if you've got any questions or comments about our podcast, you can email Chuck and I at eppodcast at aera.org. Uh, we'd be happy to get any feedback or suggestions of content that you'd like to hear. We're always looking for content. Uh, we've got a long list, but hey, we always miss something. So if there's something you want us to discuss or talk about, feel free to email us. We'd be happy to do that. Um, what else? Did we miss anything, Chuck? I think that's good. That's good. All righty. Well, as Chuck said, our next episode will be on incoming part inspection. Looking forward to that. So, Chuck, till next time. Till next time. Hopefully, uh, since it's show season, we'll have an opportunity to see some of you out there before next time comes around. <laughs> <laughs>